Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is the WEI Celtics Podcast with Sam Packer. Welcome into the WEEI Celtics Podcast, another summer edition. I am your host, Sam Packard. You can find me on Twitter at Sam Packard NBA. Today we're going to be talking to Celtics second round draft pick Abdel Nader, who's been doing great things in Summer League and really showing potential, maybe grabbing that last roster spot. I spoke with Abdel. This is actually a conversation I had with him back in May during the pre draft process. I was doing a little bit of a project talking to a number of players from the Elite Skills Training down in Miami, where uh, I know the player development guy down there, Nick Friedman. So I was talking to Abdel just about his game and how it, um, how he's trying to improve before the draft. I thought it was a pretty interesting conversation that still had a it was a kind of general discussion of his drive, his path, and kind of what he's working on to try and improve in the NBA. So I thought it uh, it definitely still applied now that he's doing big things for the Celtics. And then after that, I'm going to talk to uh, Nick Friedman, who's also the he's a good friend of mine. He's the player development coach down with the uh, Elite Skills Training. He's also a graduate assistant at University of Miami. He coached uh, Abdel, did a lot of work with him pre-draft. So I'm going to talk to him about Abdel's game. And then Nick was also at Summer League, so just to get his perspective on the different Celtics prospects from a player development standpoint, that'll be the second conversation. So right now... We're going to go to uh, my conversation with Abdel back in May. Tell me about your path. I knew you uh, went to high school in Chicago and then uh, spent some times at uh, Northern Illinois and now at uh, Iowa State. Was this always like a, a dream for you playing basketball growing up? When did the kind of start the thinking maybe you could make it to a, a D1 college? <clears throat> well, um, yeah, I mean, my whole life, ever since I was like seven, I wanted to play basketball, you know. And um, I was actually born in Alexandria, Egypt. Uh, I moved to the Chicago land area when I was like five or six. And from there, it's really just been basketball. You know, like I grew up playing in the parks. Um, so when I got to high school, I went to a, a high school on the north side of Chicago, on the north side suburbs of Chicago called Niles North. And from there, uh, I played there two years. I played a different previous high school two two years before that. And then I went to Northern Illinois, um, straight out of high school. And to to be honest, it hit me when I played D1. I ne- like, I always thought, ever since I was a kid, like, I never doubted myself. I always thought that I could play in the NBA and that I would play in the NBA. So, I mean, it's not, it didn't really ever hit me. I just always aspired for that. You know, I kind of have a feeling it's going to happen. Now, um, is it possible? I was just talking to actually uh, the, to James Webb about this same thing. I've never like stepped on a basketball court and knew I was the best player on the court. Is there any way you can like kind of put that into words, that confidence you have that one day you're, you're eventually going to make it the NBA that you are this good? Because I, I, I'm still struggling to uh, kind of understand it. 
Um, it, there wasn't, I, could, I don't know if I can name one specific day, but yeah, I've definitely had that feeling where you step on the court. I mean, even now I step on the court, I feel like I'm the best basketball player on the court, you know? And I feel like this is something that develops over time. Like you have to gain that confidence through hard work and things like that, you know? So um, I'm imagining you have been practicing basketball your entire life, and there's probably days and where you don't want to go to practice, or you don't want to do that next suicide, or you don't want to do that next drill. Kind of what what keeps driving you to come back and come for more? What's what's making you show up at the gym every day? Well, uh, to me, I kind of just love it, man. Uh, everything about it. I'm always having fun at the gym. Like that's my stress reliever from everything else. It's like my outlet. So. And I'm always having fun getting better, so it's really easy for me. But obviously you will have days where, like, man, I'm tired, all this stuff. And um, it's been just a drive to become the best basketball player I can be. You Obviously you came to uh, Iowa State and uh, only played about 15 minutes a game in your uh, in your junior year and then kind of took a bigger leap in your senior year. And especially um, from the three-point line, your percentage went up by, I think it was 16 17%. What kind of what was the big reason for that change? What what made you able to take that leap heading into your senior season? Well, like I said, I just wanted to play in the NBA and I wanted to give myself the best shot. So, I mean, I've always been a hard worker, but I cranked it up going into that senior year. Um, just lived in the gym, and I think it paid off a lot. I lost a bunch of weight, um, got my jumper back right, uh, worked on my whole total package. Oh, is there something specific with your three-point jumper? I know, I, I think I read an interview with Basketball Insiders that uh, said you, you kind of felt uh, more comfortable in your role as a senior and were able to take kind of more, more threes. Is there something specific you were working on in between your junior and Caesar season that like, allowed you to kind of be more successful from three? Um, just repetition. Uh, left to everything, shooting to defending to, uh, to skill work, like with ball handling, stuff like that. I just kept a bunch of repetition. I think it... Repetition or anything that you work at all the time, you're just gonna get better at it. And I think I became a more natural shooter that way. Now uh, you're doing work with um, Nick right now at the uh, Elite Camp. Is there specific things you're working on uh, that you know NBA teams are looking for? Is there specific skills you're trying to showcase before the draft? Well, yeah, I want to continue to show the ability. Uh, I think I'm an elite level shooter, and I can be in the NBA. And uh, I just want to continue showing that I can shoot the ball at a high clip. Um, but uh, like I said, it's uh, and, and I also want to show that I'm a, a very good defender. Um, I know I can defend at a high level. You had coaches at Northern Illinois, coaches at Iowa State. Now you're working with um, Nick. Now, is there anything that like a good coach does that kind of to get the best out of you? Like what? How do you know a good coach, or how do you know you're being coached by a good coach? Um, well, a good coach, any good coach will push you. And uh, I think if, if coaches don't get after their guys and demand like, the best that they could give and roll with the hard workers on the team, um, I think that's one thing that uh, shows signs of a good coach. And uh, another thing is just being able, as a coach, being able to give your team confidence, confidence in the, the fact that they could win, um, that they all could play, things like that. So do you know, like, your specific style? Because coaches will say that the, you kind of kind of treat different players differently. So some players you can challenge and say, like, really hold them accountable and say, you need to step up here, you need to play better. Other players you have to kind of 
build up their confidence and compliment them more. What do you respond to? Kind of what gets you going and makes you want to be work harder? Oh, I mean, uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have a confidence issue. I'm very confident myself, so I don't need people sitting there telling me all the stuff that I want to hear. But um, like I said, it's, it's, I feel like that should come more from the player. Um, as a coach, yeah, you just got to get after your guys. But as a player, you want to be the best you can be. So uh, I think I could I do a good job of holding my, my own self accountable. Now, how much of your preparation for the draft is working on kind of the physical side, the more athleticism? Because in the NBA, one of the biggest things that's valuable is that uh, that kind of versatility, the ability to guard uh, multiple positions. So you got to have the quickness to guard point guards, but then also maybe the size to guard some threes and fours. How much of this is just kind of a physical preparation for kind of that work in the NBA? Well, um, yeah, a ton of it is physical. And um, like like I said, that comes with reps, not just like shooting up jumpers, but things like working on your – I'm working down here with uh, – in the elite skill with Tammy, like working on my lateral quickness. Uh, I lost like seven, eight more pounds, so I'm quicker. And, uh, I mean, I think that stuff goes a long way. It's not just on-the-court stuff, but things you need to do to become the best player you can. For someone who hasn't seen you play, how would you describe your game? What kind of style uh, player are you? Or what kind of style player do you want to be if you do make it to the NBA? Well, I'm, I'm a, uh, like I said, I'm a very good defender. I think that's one thing that's going to open a lot of people's eyes. Um, also, my shooting ability. Uh, I can shoot the ball at a high clip. So uh, those are those are two main things, and I'm also a very good teammate. Uh, like I said, I, I want all my teammates to do as as good as they can. Uh, big big team guys, so I always want to win no matter what. Even even for playing open gym, uh, things like that. Just my motor, so things like that. Now, what would you say your best kind of skill is on defense? I know you have a, a pretty long wingspan. Uh, is it? positioning you get a lot of steals uh i know you said you're working on your quickness what is your kind of your is there a go to i'm not um, there's not obviously not a go-to move on defense but what do you think you're you're uh, really an area of strength for you well yeah i think my length helps me a lot uh i mean i have a seven one wingspan i'm six seven so i'm i have a decent body so i can guard bigger guards i can guard i'm quick enough to guard smaller guards and because my length i give them like a step or two things like that i think it's more of a me figuring out better ways to guard certain players, you know, because not everybody's the same guy. So some guys you have to, and that just comes with the, some guys you have to guard differently. So that just comes with the mental aspect of it more too. Nick told me that you're a, you do watch a lot of film. Uh, how much does that uh, apply to your game and kind of trying to improve right now so you can be ready to show off for individual workouts? Is there something where, uh, is that something you did at Northern Illinois? How long have you been watching film on yourself? Well, man, to be honest, I didn't start until I really got to Iowa State um, just because uh, I got addicted to it because I used to sit down with assistant coach or uh, Fred when I first got there, and we would just watch film for, for a while. So from there, I just uh, kind of got addicted to it. I got my own Synergy account and uh, been watching film a lot ever since. And not just on myself, but other players as well. Are there specific players in the in the NBA now that you try to model your game after, or specific players you watch that do kind of play your position really well? Well, uh, to be honest, when I, was a, when I was a kid, I used to admire Bruce Bowen because I thought he was a really tough guy. Um, 
he shot three well. He was able to defend, and that's something that I, that I kind of see myself doing. And in today's game, I really like Clay Thompson. Uh, I watch a lot of film on him too, because I think they're very similar. He could just, he's a two-way player. He's just a little bit better scorer. So I, I watch a ton of both of them. Now, this is kind of a difficult question. I asked James Webb this too, and he didn't uh, uh, really not answer it, but I'm going to try and ask it anyway. Like, so how does watching film translate to you playing in a game? Is it Are you looking for specific things that you do, um, and are you thinking about that consciously while you're, while you're playing, or is it just kind of getting those mental reps so that it's in the back of your head that you need to maybe take an extra step here or maybe you can pump fake on this guy? How does like the film translate to actual uh, – on the court. Well, yeah, um, that's easy. I think it's just mental reps. Uh, when you watch something or nothing, you know the positioning. Like, I could speak defensively. Uh, for a fact, like, when you just watch that stuff constantly and you're like, oh, I have to be here, I should be here. You're watching with a coach or somebody who, who knows, who understands the game as well. Like, it just becomes natural. In the game, of course, you're not going to be sitting there thinking like, hey, I should uh, do this or do that. It just comes naturally, and I think that helps with watching it and watching yourself. And also, I was, I'm a big fan of watching other people, too. So you can pick up not only on your own tendencies, but others and learn from it. Did you ever have a moment where you were at Iowa State where you did made the right play or um, or something you said, to hit, yeah, I picked that. I, I did that well because I picked it up on film? Or is there something where you can like identify, like, Oh, I was able to succeed because of all those hours I spent watching film. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I like I, the way I think of it is just all the time from watching film to uh, to being at the gym to taking care of my body. I think like all that stuff is a part of the job, you know, and uh, it all it all accumulates and ends up making you a better basketball player. All right, then last question. Um... A lot of players, even after they get drafted, end up in in the D League, or and that's not the most glamorous lifestyle. Do you give any thought to maybe going and playing in Europe, or is the main dream playing in the NBA? No, the main dream is definitely playing in the NBA, and um, I'm going to do it. So, all right. <laughs> so, whatever it takes to be in the NBA, even if that means like riding the D League bus, that's okay with you. Uh. I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I don't know. I don't know the answer for that. All right, that's fair. Um, yeah. All right, thanks for joining me, uh, Abdel, and I appreciate you taking your time. For sure, I appreciate, it, man. No problem. Anytime. All right, thank you. Well, you can hear from that Abdel Nader is not short on confidence. Uh, Definitely does not want to play in the D-League, would like to be an NBA player. And that's kind of the, the big question for him moving forward is whether or not the Celtics are going to uh, sign him with an agreement he's going to play in the D-League, whether he's going to get that kind of that full NBA contract. It's been reported right out of the draft that he was going to uh, go to the D-League, but right now it's up in the air. He's definitely he's not lacking confidence, which is a, something you'd like to see uh, in an NBA player. To get greater perspective on Abdel's game and the rest of the Celtics Summer League, now I'm going to talk to Nick Friedman, player development coach at the Elite Skills Training in Miami. We go now to Nick Friedman. He is a player development coach with the Elite Skills Training in Miami. He's also a graduate assistant at the University of Miami, and he was coached Abdel Nader uh, during the pre-draft camp. Nick, how are you doing today? I'm hanging, man. You know, like we uh, talked on our other podcast, 
I'm chilling in Miami, enjoying this weather, getting ready for my day. Can you just tell the listeners kind of what the what the pre-draft camp was and who else you had there uh, in addition to Abdel? Well, it's a three-month process. Um, we go from the end of March, essentially when the NCAA tournament um, begins, uh, for any guys who are eliminated, who are you know draft eligible and think they have a shot at getting drafted, um, all the way through the draft. Our pro day was June 4th. So essentially a three-month process. This year we had a pretty extensive group. We had 21 guys participate in the summer league um, overall, including two draft picks in Torian Prince and Abdul Nader, um, and a number of partial guarantees. Um, James Webb, for instance, uh, Cat Barber, who wasn't partially guaranteed, but had he not broken his orbital, I think he would have been a uh, uh, no-brainer signee, in my opinion, um, and a number of other guys. So, you know, the process entails just getting these guys ready conceptually for the next level, understanding how to get their own within the confines of NBA sets, um, making sure that their motor is at the highest level possible, their condition in the highest level possible, and toning everything that they're already good at while, you know, attacking and defining some weaknesses uh, for them going forward and um, eliminating some of them in that three-month process and, um, you know, keeping this Boston relevant. There is no one in our camp that took more advantage of their time with us than Abdul Nader. Well, that's you know, what I wanted to uh, wanted to focus on. Can you just kind of talk about your impression of his game um, coming into camp, and what do you think his main, what do you thought his main strengths were, and kind of how you saw him grow during that that three month process? Well, first and foremost, I think he became a far more dynamic uh, playmaker. Not not the you know most skillful passer and doesn't create as often for his teammates in some situation as you would, as you would like, but he's become a lot more fluid as a ball handler than he was three three and a half months ago, um, and uh, you know he's really gotten himself in shape. He's dropped twelve to fifteen pounds in that time span. Um, he's really accelerating to the rim, towards the rim. He plays with a lot of force. Um, you know, it's a for a lot of people. Um, even though, in my opinion, I think it's an ideal situation to train in. Miami's tough to be in if you're not focused. And for Abdul, the kid approached every single day with a sense of urgency. He never went out, and you know I, I got that from multiple sources. Took advantage of his, you know, of every single day, whether it was a recovery day or a training day, and it showed. You know, and a lot of people may tell you, oh, okay, a lot of guys could have been taken with the 58th pick. It's not exactly the best, you know, decision to get drafted that late. They have your rights. You may not make as much money. Um, but for him, you know, having his name and, you know, selected, I mean, called on draft night um, was huge for him and huge for his confidence. And it showed in Summer League. Yeah, in Summer League where the Celtics basically going into the season, they're going to need some wing depth behind Jay Crowder. They drafted Jalen Brown, but there is kind of another spot there. And you would think that that role would go to James Young going into his third season. But so far in Summer League, Abdel Nader's basically played himself into that role. He's done a little bit of everything. I think Celtics fans have been most impressed by his ability to drive to the basket and uh, finish with authority. He's that... a hell of a straight-line driver. Hell of a straight-line driver. Now, when I talked to you uh, a couple months ago about him, uh, you were really bullish on kind of his three-point shooting, so I was, kind of, I was surprised by his ability to uh, kind of take it to the rim. Is that something you worked on? What do you think the like the biggest skill you tried to work on with Abdel uh, during that pre-draft program? Well, we just really tried to make him more fluid and less predictable with the ball in his hands. Um, he's doing a much better job with it. He's still, 
you know, as he goes to the rim, his only real counter is a spin, as you may have noticed. Um, but he's getting better. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. You read a lot of these articles and opinions on people on Twitter, and they, they note him as not a particularly good three-point shooter, um, which is, you know, his, clearly his best asset, even though his numbers may say he shot, you know, below 30% for three, three of his four college seasons. In his last season, he broke out for a 37% um, from three. But he really is an elite-level three-point shooter. He's got to become a little bit more comfortable uh, with the pace of the game. Um, but, you know, he shoots the ball well. He's got NBA athleticism. He has NBA strength. He can guard four positions. He can play a little bit of post. He needs to work on it. He needs to get a little bit more familiar, right, you know, down on the block and in the mid-post. But, um, I think in terms of what Boston's roster is looking like right now, um, he provides more value on both ends than an R.J. Hunter, um, and he's your you know your ideal um, you know wing, um, you know, and I, his upside is great. He works his, his tail off. Wouldn't want to have anybody else in your organization at that position. Yeah, that's one of the things that's really impressed me when I was going back through his kind of stats and his career, just kind of that building from junior college and that consistent drive to get better, and then that major improvement in his senior year. It's kind well, of well, like, not junior college, Sam. Not junior college. Where Northern was it? Illinois. Northern Illinois. Oh, sorry about that. A lesser, no, okay, a, a lesser tiered college. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that consistent work ethic—it's something you see. Uh, Throughout the Celtics roster, and even on Isaiah Thomas or a player like Jay Crowder, is kind of that that drive to get better. And it's not really something we've seen um, with James Young so far. He kind of came out from Kentucky and really hasn't done anything in his first three years. So, it, well, it would... you know, I was talking to uh, you know Jay Laranega. I'll never forget this conversation. Nearly two years ago, it was at one of our um, camps at UM, and we were just talking about what do they really pinpoint the most when they're evaluating guys in terms of personality, and it all stems from the love of the game. And when you find guys in your culture that truly love the game, it's easy to work with. Um, and Abdul is one of those guys. He, he fits that mold. He fits Boston's culture. Um, That's really funny have- that you say that because every single kind of time Brad Stevens ever like answered a question about Evan Turner last year, he would. that was the first thing he'd bring it up. He's like, he loves playing basketball, and anyone can like, play for Brad Stevens if they really, truly love the game. And it's- like, Sam, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, man, like, there would be stretches this summer. Abdul is one of those kids where if you're a you know, quote-unquote borderline guy, you could be seeing upwards 20 workouts in the pre-draft period, and that's a lot on your body. You know, traveling, um, just going from workout to workout, you'll, you know, you'll be on the road for two weeks straight and have maybe three days off in that time span. Um, so for him, it's like, he comes back from a two-week road trip. I'll never forget. He immediately hits me up. He's like, man, I got to get in the gym. Like, I got to. I was like, what? You know, why Why we get in the gym? You just came back from a two-week road trip. I've been hearing you're killing workouts and shooting the piss out of the ball. He's just like, you, you just you can't keep him out of there. And, uh, you know, when you got a kid like that in your hands, man, it's hard to pass up. So uh, great things to hear about Abdel Nader if you're a Celtics fan. Now, Rick, you are also um... – also at Summer League in Vegas watching a lot of games. And I know uh, the Celtics player who really stood out the most was Terry Rozier. Uh, I know you have a, you worked Ballin. out with Rozier uh, last year. Can you just talk about kind of the progression in his game? Because it seems like he's always had that elite athleticism, but it seems like he's really gotten better at kind of making decisions in the pick and roll and being more um, 
finishing at the rim, which was never something I thought he'd be great at. So can you just talk about his progression and kind of, as someone who's like worked him out, what do you think about his game right now? Well, I think the the most noticeable, noticeable thing in Terry's game from last year was that he was playing to just be on the floor. And when you just play to be on the floor, you obviously play reserve and hesitant. And in when watching Terry at Louisville and seeing him in the pre-draft process, he played with an awesome sense of reckless abandon. And I think what we're seeing is his confidence really emerging, that sense of reckless abandon really emerging. Um, and it's, it's showing the type of dynamic playmaker and scoring lead guard that he really is. I mean, he's a really, he's truly an asset, man. Like, a trade of, like if you are to think about him in that sense, you know, someone who you would have difficulty even trading. Um, and, uh, you know, just seeing Terry play with that sense of confidence is, it's satisfying. It's great to see him play at that level. So it makes sense because the second year point guard, like the first year in point guard in the NBA, it's going to be just difficult with decision making. But we've really seen in summer league him kind of hone that explosiveness and knowing exactly when he's going to burst and uh, get into the lane and start making plays. And just his jumping ability is kind of scary. Uh, if freakish. He, if he freakish, can ever just do that freakish. consistently, I think he's going to be a major um, person to kind of get Evan Turner's minutes because Turner was the backup ball handler for the second unit, and it would make sense that those minutes would go to Rozier, maybe a little bit of Marcus Smart. I've said it once and I've said it again. If you put Terry Rozier in a situation where he's not afraid to make mistakes and take risks, you're really going to see a new level of Terry Rozier's game. That's the trouble with uh, just kind of being a rookie in the NBA and being on like a successful team like the Celtics because they're still competing and Brad Stevens doesn't really. It's hard to put a guy who will might make consistent mistakes because he's really focused on winning basketball games. It's less of a development focus, but I think right. as Rozier gets better, you're going to see him those mistakes go down and him definitely get more playing time. Yeah, yeah, and he was incredibly efficient at summer league. Yeah, incredibly I think he shot something efficient. like sixty five percent, which is absurd. Yeah, and he ranked top five in player efficiency. Um, you know, he was he was great. He was great. It was a big step for his career. Now, the two other guys uh, you have to focus on if you're talking Celtics Summer League, uh, where do you want to go first, Jalen Brown or the Dancing Bear? Ah, uh, Dancing Bear. Let sure. me know what your thoughts on the Dancing Bear. Uh, he's <laughs> huge. I know I texted you after that sweet dunk. Uh, yeah. That, just what do you... Obviously, I don't think you've seen much of his game because he's been playing in France, but seeing him live in person, what was your impressions of kind of his body and is able to be, be that quick at that size? He's an he's a absolute truck. Um, he's defined. He's, you know, obviously, he may look heavy, uh, but in person, I mean, he's cut. Um, he's got a, you know, his, his weight is pretty proportional. I mean, the kid can shoot threes, he can attack a closeout, he's instinctive, he can make plays. Um, he's awesome, you know. And uh, in time, he's truly, I think he'll really develop into a true floor spacer. Um, he's dynamic in the post, he's unpredictable down there. Um, he's, you know, really good in that role of uh, having the ball in his hands at the top of the key and, and you know, initiating handoffs and refusing handoffs. Um, he was a great pick, great pick. Some people thought it was a, a bit of a reach, but you know what? If he there's in likelihood he's going to be a draft and stash, and so the Celtics have a real tight roster. So if they thought he's going to be this talented guy, it would make sense to kind of just go and get him and not really wait and hope he falls. Yeah. Now yeah, the next absolutely. guy. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. You go ahead, Sam. 
I was going to say, just the next guy, everyone's kind of the number three pick. Um, very excited about Jalen Brown. Obviously, he's got that elite athleticism, and he's uh, really shown an ability to get to the line. Uh, at the same time, he isn't really the greatest finisher at this point, and he's not going to get those same calls once he's actually playing in the NBA. But I was just kind of curious about what you think Jalen Brown needs to work on and improve on um, if he's going to become a more consistent player moving forward. Well, you know, first and foremost, the kid's an absolute man. Um, and he's somebody who can compete on any NBA roster right now physically. So that's, you know, that's uh, first and foremost. Secondly, I would just say, you know, he's somebody from, you know, mecha- a mechanical standpoint in his jump shot. It's not far off. Um, if you rep him out and, you, you know, you give him uh, NBA instruction, I think he's really going to take a jump there. Um, obviously, he's got to be a little bit more of a dynamic ball handler. You'll see, you know, instances will where he'll make a single or double move that's, you know, pretty impressive and be able to get to his spot and pull up in his mid-range. He's a hell of a rebounder. I think, you know, obviously, would anybody would have wanted wanted to have Chris Dunn in their roster? Probably we were in a situation where if you pick him, you kind of, you compromise a young guy in Terry Roger, you compromise the rest of your, you know, your, uh, you know, the guards in your roster, um, Jalen Brown is, is impressive, and I think going forward, he's a hell of a project. Uh, can I, I just want to go back to his kind of his shot mechanics. For people out there who haven't been like looking at stuff like that, what should you be looking for to make sure, like, to see that he's making that improvement? A lot of people have talking about his kind of his footwork. He's not always lined up. What should Celtics fans be looking for if they're trying to say like, oh, he's making strides in his mechanics for his shot? I would just say, you know, if if you're truly paying attention to the nuances of the game and just, you know, how consistent is he in his shot prep? Does he catch the ball the same way every single time going into a shot? Um, is he a one-piece shooter? You know, I'm not exactly familiar with Boston's, um, you know, philosophy on, on shooting the ball, but for the most part, NBA teams stress one-piece shooting, you know, no, no real hitch in their shot um, from the point of catch to the point of release, just no, just no, you know, stops in between there. So, um, you know, looking at those things for Jalen, and uh, you know, I just think, uh, you know, personally, I need to spend more time with him in the gym to be able to truly analyze his mechanics. But from what I saw in summer league, I think he's got a workable ceiling. So, yeah, that's one of the things they, uh, a lot of the draft people I've talked to talk about Jalen Brown is that. He's kind of a no-fail prospect just based on his athleticism alone. He's going to be able to play defense in this league, uh, and it's just a question of how great he actually becomes. And it sounds like, and, and you know, and more importantly, the kid is a competitor. I mean, like you play every single summer league game. You play every single summer league game with an elite level motor. Um, you know, that's something to be very, very satisfied in. And when you have that level of competitiveness and drive to to be good um, with his ceiling and his physicality, it's, you know, you, you got to be happy with what you got. The kid does not lack confidence. You see him talking about his, uh, he'll rest when he's dead or something like that. And I thought, I saw that quote on Twitter and I thought he was joking. And then I went back and like watched the video and he's a hundred percent serious. And again, it's kind of a theme that we talked about in all the successful players is that that high motor, but then also that confidence in your game. If you don't believe in yourself, it's really going to be difficult for others to believe in you and for you to like kind of take that next step forward. When I had seen him play at the city of Palms, which is a yearly tournament in Fort Myers, he was the best high school basketball player I'd ever seen in person. Um, 
and it stuck in my mind. And then when I saw him play throughout this year, he kind of dropped in my liking just because of his inability to really shoot the ball. I thought he shot it better in high school um, but from what I saw him play in that three-game stretch. And, you know, he, uh, he, he, I like him. I like him. He was in kind of a tough situation at Cal. I didn't think they had the best roster around him, but again, he's only 19, and he was, you're right, uh, I think he was the second highest rated player in high school after Ben Simmons. But uh, yeah. I just want to pivot right now. You spent a bunch of time in Vegas at Summer League uh, watching all the games. Are there any other players out there that kind of stuck out to you uh, just from a general standpoint, non-Celtics players? Well, you got to love the um, traveling veteran. And uh, in this year's, you know, the undersized scoring combo point, if you will, um, and Jonathan Gibson from Dallas, who signed a three-year partial from what I've um, seen in reports, high-volume score, was in China. He averaged uh, roughly over 36 points a game. Um, and, uh, you know, the dude was efficient. Um, he, was a, he was potent as can be. He was really impressive in my mind. Uh, Milwaukee kind of had a another guy of that mold, not as efficient in scoring the ball, but a super athlete in Rashad James. Um, I thought those two guys were pretty impressive. Um, Torian Prince, I've um, got to give a shout out to my man. You know, the kid is you know proving he's every bit every bit worthy of being a lottery pick. Um, you know, he just impacts the game. Got to get better laterally on the defensive end, but I mean, he's savvy. Uh, he's 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 a playmaker. He can do more in the ball with the ball in his hands than you know his comparison to a Damari Carroll. Um, I really am high on him. Um, the kid that was hilarious to watch, and it's going to be very interesting to see um, if Vladi Divac's evaluation really pans out. But the kid Papa Giannis was Papa Giannis. That was, uh, I mean, there was one play, his first ever possession. He gets the ball in the post. He takes approximately six dribbles on the block, realizes he has nowhere to go, looks both directions, and throws the ball over his head for an air ball from <laughs> seven feet from the block. If you can check that out in Synergy and watch it again, it, it is amazing. But he, um, you know, he's got some nice touch, uh, some nice touch with his push shots, and uh, will will refuse to really dunk the ball even though he's that close to the rim. Yeah, that's that's the European heavy. fundamentals right there. Yeah, layup's uh, worth two points. No need to get fancy and dunk that. You know, I wouldn't. Hey, if he pans out, he pans out. But I don't know he, what the Kings are doing with him, Scalabossier, Willie Cauley Stein, and Demarcus oh, Scal, Cousin. Hey, I'll tell you this though, Scal's nice. Scal is nice. You think Scal's he's a play, legit man. player? I mean, he's he slipped he uh, pretty far. He can play. He can play. Scal, you know, people are sleeping on Scal. He's he's skillful. He's got to you know play with a little less you know finesse. He doesn't bang. Um, he gets, you know, overwhelmed on the glass at times, can really get out-rebounded. But, you know, from a skill standpoint, he's, I, I, I'm really high on him. Um, he can shoot the ball. He's young. Um, I'm high on him. You know, and everybody, obviously, you know, we can, we can go on and on about Thon Maker. And, um, but, uh, you know, let's, uh, let's try to find some other guys out there who are really impressed. All right. Uh, any other observations from Summer League before we, before um, we go? Lastly, it's a much better event, in my opinion, than the Final Four. And I'm not just saying that because I'm an NBA guy and that's where ultimately I want to be. I just think it's a far more fluid and upfront networking event. 
you kind of feel a little bit slimy when you go to the Final Four. <laughs> and then from a basketball standpoint, um, you know, obviously it's not the tradition of the NCAA tournament, but the sense of urgency that these guys play with, man, it's like all these dudes are just fighting for their for their career for a little bit of money. Um, and, uh, you know, to take that first step or that next big step in their career, and you don't see a dip in energy or, or urgency throughout the end of this thing. You know, if you, if, even if you watch it on TV, the, you know, it's, it's played at a very high level. It may not be the best basketball in the world, but there is no dip-off in energy. Um, and uh, it was, it's awesome to be at, man. I think I, I recommend it to anybody um, who is a basketball fan. All right. That was uh, Nick Friedman, player development coach at Elite Skills Training Miami, also a graduate assistant at the University of Miami, also once was the quickest kid in Cambridge. Uh, Rick, thanks for joining me. They used to call me Mighty Mouse, my man. Mighty Mouse. <laughs> Mighty Mouse. <laughs> that's what they call Isaiah Thomas, so that's a good connection here on the... Nah, that's the real, real Damon Sotomayor right there. Oh, yeah. Another Seattle native, I believe. I don't know. I could have just made that I up. I don't know where Damon Sotomayor is from, but... We'll figure that out in post. All right, Rick. I uh, appreciate you joining me, and I'll, I'm sure I'll talk to you soon. All right, my man. Well, that's going to wrap it up for me, Sam Packer, here at the WEI Celtics podcast. I want to say a big thanks to Abdel Nader for talking to me back in May. And also thanks to Nick Friedman for joining me on the phone here today. If you guys enjoyed, please subscribe on iTunes, wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave a review. It would be very helpful to us. If you have any questions for me, you can reach me on Twitter at Sam Packard NBA. Just want to say thanks for listening. This has been another edition of the WEEI Celtics Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.